0: While you're slaving over a hot computer, we're entertaining and informing you. Sit back and listen carefully. Enjoy some great conversation with TalkZone.com. Internet talk radio. Just listen. InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting.
1: There's a new way to look at an old cultural roadblock, racial prejudice, and understand it better. All it takes is a careful look back at history, as InfoTrack's Taryn McCall reports. Taryn?
0: Thanks, Chris. Our guest today on InfoTrack is historian Mark Aronson, author of the new book Race, A History Beyond Black and White. I like to think, why should race even make a difference? We're all one race human race, but racial prejudice is as old as humanity, isn't it? Prejudice is as old as
1: humanity. The desire to feel superior to the next guy over on the other side of another mountain is as old as humanity. Calling that racial is actually extremely recent. One of the things that I learned in researching this book is that the concept of race is a very, very new idea. And so one of my goals in the book is to separate prejudice, I'm good, you're bad, I'm superior, you're inferior, from race. That is to say, people based on their appearance, skin color, slant of their eyes are of completely distinct groups. That's a very new idea.
0: I was curious in reading the early parts of your book, there is some primeval hardwired in our ancestral brain reason for Feeling prejudice.
1: I believe that some psychologists who've studied this argue that if you think of early human beings out on the savannah in Africa, you know, a very vulnerable clan of people, and they see the leaves rustle, they immediately have to make a decision. We know that as the emotional fight or flight decision, but there's another decision us or them, enemy or friend, killer or ally. And the force of that emotion, where you make an instant judgment, this entity is like me or unlike me. If like me, safe. If unlike me, threat. may be one of the deepest human instincts. In each historical era, we then give it a different form. We say similar religion, different religion. Similar country, different country. Similar race, different race.
0: Is it naive for someone to think that they personally are not prejudiced?
1: Well, my wife and I argue about this. My wife is Jewish on her mother's side and Indo-Guyanese on her father's side, and so she grew up with the experience of mixture, and so she says she does not identify with these emotions in the same way that I do. However, when I look over the historical record, it's just compelling. In era after era, civilization after civilization, we seek ways to announce ourselves as superior and to explain our superiority as coming from God's favor, our superior genes, something that defines us as meant to dominate those beneath us.
0: Is it more fair to say that we all might harbor feelings of our own superiority, but as long as we don't act out against others based on that, it's relatively benign?
1: I think our society after the 60s, that's sort of what we decided to do. You know, we have Black History Month. We all honor Dr. King. Jim Crow laws were overturned. Anti-miscegenation laws were overturned. But I think those feelings that we harbor and don't express bubble out. Because we've agreed on a sort of social tolerance but don't acknowledge our actual level of prejudice, In some ways, that's very harmful. I think we need to risk telling each other what we think of each other, risk the discomfort, risk the awkwardness, and thus get closer rather than merely sort of muttering to ourselves and keeping separate.
0: There seems to be a steady stream of stories in the news about instances of racial intolerance. Why do you think that those stories don't really help further the discussion on race?
1: We don't deal with the underlying tensions that words express, so we rule vocabulary and don't talk about difference. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why all these genetic studies create great anxiety. They create anxiety because we've never really talked about, do we really think we're equal? What is equality? What defines a group? And instead of just getting all upset because someone has used the wrong word, look, bad boys will always find a way to be disruptive. And in the age of the internet, the age of the website, the age of talk radio, bad boys will always look for a way to be provocative. And talking about race gives them a great opportunity to show they're the moxie kid in class who will say the unsayable. Slapping that bad boy down does absolutely zero for creating greater contact and communication and understanding in our society.
0: I wanted to get back to the more modern implications of prejudice and race. Earlier in our conversation, you said that was a more modern development, and I'd like to know what, if any, role slavery had in the development of racial prejudice. Again, that's a
1: great question. Another fascinating thing I learned in doing my research for this book, slavery is as old as human civilization. I mean, the Romans, for example, in Great Rome, ancient Rome, one out of three people on the streets of Rome was a But that enslavement had nothing whatsoever to do with national origin, where they were from, or anything like that. It had to do with the fact that they were conquered. You could have white slaves, you could have dark slaves, Asian slaves. It just had to do with who won and who lost. Within the American context, it is certainly true that the idea of race as we know it really developed in the 1700s just at the same time as the growth of Atlantic slavery. But here's an interesting thing. About 10 to 12.5 million Africans were taken out of the continent in Atlantic slavery, taken across the Atlantic to be enslaved. 96% of those people did not come to North America. They went to Brazil, they went to the Caribbean, they went to other parts of South and Central America. So when we talk about slavery and race, we're actually mainly not talking about North America. Well, if you look at the modern census, it says Hispanics may be of any race. So that 96% of the enslaved Africans is now in a category that does not match black and white as we define it in America. So you're right that slavery plays a crucial part in this. But if we look at it closely, it plays a very confusing part in it.
0: I wanted to ask, too, about the definition of white. You touched on it in your book. I'd read it in another book some years ago, that earlier in the 20th century... Our immigration department had a long list of peoples from around the world, nationalities, categorized by race. And even Southern Italians, for all intents and purposes, were not categorized as white. That's
1: actually true. There was a congressional hearing in which they said they could not agree that Southern Italians could be considered white. And there was a famous court case in Alabama where an African-American man was married to an apparently white woman. And under the laws of the time, that was illegal. But the Supreme Court of Alabama ruled that the marriage could continue because his wife was Sicilian, and therefore they couldn't decide. And since they couldn't decide, he was free to stay married and had not broken any law. It just leaves a teeny tiny problem. Who's white? How do you define whiteness? And that issue was argued in the American courts over and over again. Because which definition do you use? Do you use what a person looks like? you use their ancestry? Which percentage of ancestry do you use? And the courts had great, great difficulties resolving that.
0: Are you optimistic about racial relations in the future?
1: I think I can be. I think the very fact that we're having a lot of tension about race now is in a way healthy, because I think it allows us to kind of, let's not pretend anymore that everything's fine because of the I have a dream speech. Let's start to talk to each other about how we see ourselves and see each other. So I think we can take this very increase in tension as an opportunity to face each other and to draw closer than we did after the 60s, where in some respect we agreed to be tolerant and separate.
0: We've been talking with Mark Aronson, author of the new book, Race, A History Beyond Black and White. Thank you so much for being with us today on InfoTrack, Mark Aronson. Thank you for having me. And I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.